everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we have a pretty giant controversy to solve, and I am excited to solve it for you so that you never have to worry about it or question it again. Oh my word. <laughs> Today we're looking at Matthew 8, 14 to 34, and Mark 4 to 5. Jenny, please tell us the issue with what we're reading today. Well, actually, like, uh, this happens a lot while we're reading, but there are moments when we're reading scripture and I, like, my jaw drops and I, like, give Ryan, like, holy crap eyes. <laughs> like, what? Did that just say that? Please cut back on your <laughs> offensive language. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, again, nerdy Bible quiz are here. I have Bible quiz on Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, every single one of them. And I remember the story of the pigs. I've actually been in the place where the pigs ran off the cliff. We've been there before. And I never realized that in the book of Matthew, it talks about Jesus confronting two men with demons rather than what we talked about yesterday and what we also read um, in Mark today, saying that it was just one man. Or referring to only one man. We've now read the story of this man in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. With the demons. With the demons. And if you have heard this story before and you imagine in your mind, without doing the reading, what happens in this story, I would guess you see in your mind Jesus and one man who is like in chains or whatever, like running out of the tombs. The problem is Matthew says it's two men. One's just definitely more... Violent than the other. That's what Mark my and says. Luke says that it's one man, which is a significant problem. I think. I think so too. That's why I, that was the whole jaw dropping. Oh my word! Eyes, like what? <laughs> so what do we do about this? What do you think? Well, like I was saying, I was reading a little bit of commentary earlier, and one commentary says that perhaps it was that. There were two men in every scenario, but one was definitely just much more, like, evil and, I guess, like, (laughs) friendly, (laughs) chatty. (laughs) No, but basically, like, one was definitely more evil than the other um, and came out to, like, confront Jesus. So that's interesting. It's an interesting way of cleaning it up. I'm not saying that's what it is. That's just what I read. Well, it's not you. It's the Bible knowledge commentary. <laughs> I know, but... So it's a, it's an interesting approach. It basically says, like, Matthew remembers these two men, and Mark and Luke just highlight the worst one. So that, like, cleans it up nice and tidy. You don't have to believe that there's any goofy okay, things so going on. Okay, so what's your fabulous well, I don't, thing? I, I, this is 100% me. And I don't know that if I were you that I would stake my life on it. This is just my opinion that I notice. I notice that our friend Matthew tends to exaggerate details often. I have a problem with that. The reason I like this guy is because I think I also tend to exaggerate details often. Yes, yes, yes. I just... I. I think this is not the last time that we will compare stories and Matthew is making the numbers bigger. Unfortunately for our friend Matthew... Think about what Matthew's profession was. Do you know what Matthew was? I don't know. Matthew Fisherman. Was, he was a tax collector. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Do you see how immediately you're like, oh. I meant fisherman because like, you know, men that The fish is always fish. bigger. Yeah. So Matthew was a tax collector. And the one thing we know about tax collectors is they lied about their numbers often. So, so they we're could... reading a liar's <laughs> book of the Bible? This is why. This is why I want you to be 
if you really want to dig into this, find somebody smarter than me to dig into this. When I read over this, I think that we are seeing Matthew's personality come through. That is what we believe. Like we believe the Holy Spirit moved people to write these things. It's called verbal plenary inspiration. You can look it up. So we get the theology that we're supposed to get. We get the message that we're supposed to get, but always we get the personality as well. I think this is just me that Matthew's personality is that he tends to exaggerate the details. Also, if you want to get a little bit more scholarly, Matthew is most likely the first person to write down these stories. So Mark and Luke may have been aware <laughs> of these stories and Mark and Luke may have been like, Matthew, it was only one. Let's make sure we get this right. Now, immediately when I talked about this earlier, Jenny, you were like, well, then why do we believe this? Yeah, well, that's here's exactly where I still stand. If I came home uh, from work and I walked in the house and I was like, oh my gosh, Jenny, I got jumped by two guys and they stole the car. <laughs> and then somebody How else. How did you get home? <laughs> yeah, that's true. This, this doesn't hold up. <laughs> and then somebody else comes to our house and says, oh my gosh, Jenny, did you see what happened to Ryan? Like one guy jumped him and they stole the car. What, what can you assume to be true? You can assume that the car is stolen. You can assume that I got jumped by either one person or a group of people. Like what I'm saying is like the meat of the story holds up. So what do we know to be true? Jesus definitely cast a demon out of somebody who nobody believed could have a demon cast out of them. This man was very out of sorts. He was very violent. He lived in tombs. He needed deliverance. He received deliverance. Was there one man? Was there two men? Sure, you could look at this and you could say that Matthew is highlighting that there were two men. Mark and Luke are just highlighting the most extreme one of the two. I think it's more likely that Matthew likes to exaggerate things. He's not exaggerating the truth of the theology. And I understand all the like wobbly things that this creates. Uh, but yeah. I just, I just think like I, I've read through this before. I think I've actually made this case before on the, the, the last podcast that I did called God's whole story um, that Matthew tends to exaggerate the details. I don't love that, but at the same time, I kind of do like, I think it shows the humanness of Matthew. Luke is a doctor. We know Luke to be the most um, detail-specific guy. He's and I like that book. Seem, That's he, probably yeah. one of my favorite of He Gospels. seems to be very careful with the details. He seems to want to get everything right. I think Matthew is a good old boy tax collector that just wants to tell you how crazy the things he saw are. Yikes. So for me, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin the gospel. It doesn't make me doubt my faith. Uh, to me, the theology of the story holds up. Jesus has authority. Jesus delivered this man. Um, my faith is not shaken because of this. I think we have Matthew getting a little bit sketchy with the details. Also, they wrote this a lot longer after it happened. So <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard of people that tell the same story time after time after time after time? And the story tends to get a little bit longer and a little bit more detail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you have. It usually goes um, the opposite for me because I start forgetting. So we're dealing with real people that are being moved by the Holy Spirit to make sure that we understand who God is. We still understand who God is. And I think I think Matthew said there were two, but there was really only one. Ultimately, though, I really like the actual story in and of itself. I talked about that before. Definitely. Like, definitely. It is such a powerful moment that Jesus is like showing, all, like he's just flexing for all these people. Like, I'm God. 
I can tell these demons where to go. He's not being a jerk about it, but he's just like, no, I'm more powerful than you. I'm gracious. I'm going to just allow you to go to the, like, can you imagine standing there? Like, first of all, like imagine the tension that there is oh, like yeah. standing there and like witnessing these demon possessed people. I don't ever want to have to deal with that ever, but like, I can't imagine how uncomfortable and crazy it would feel to be there. And this is like right after the crazy storm happened, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> these we guys should are like on a roller coaster of emotions. We should talk about that. We're we're in a clear section of Jesus' ministry where the all the authors are making it clear to us that Jesus has authority over all things. Like at one point, it actually says, "Like who is this man that even the waves obey him?" Well, and that's across all three that we have read from yes. Matthew, Mark, and this point. So either you think that Matthew's narrative is completely watertight and he just gives us extra details or you think the extra details he gives us are a little bit sketchy. I think there would be so much of my life that I would just be reconsidering every five seconds, though, with Jesus because of the things that are happening. Because, like, originally they're, like, going across the lake. Just aren't they kind of just, like, trying to find, like, like solace (laughs) it's funny it seems like they're trying to find solace but it also seems like jesus is on a mission to reach this man and i I think jesus is on a mission to reach this man but regardless so they're leaving they're like practically swept away by like some psycho storm and jesus like okay cut it out like i don't think i'd be able to even recover from that and then let alone getting off the boat being face to face with like a super demon possessed person and jesus just like all of a sudden like can you imagine like a commentary I read said that it's assumed that there were probably about 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of All pigs. of a sudden, 2,000 pigs just flying <laughs> flying off this cliff because there's all these said demons inside of them. Like, this is just insane. I feel like I don't know how you could even, like, live life any... I don't know. For what it's worth, you can still visit this region. You can still visit this part of the of Israel where uh, the lake comes up against, like a like, a steep cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, and above that steep cliff are flat plains. And so this We've area... We've actually walked around on that. We have. This area where the garrisons, the area of the garrisons, um, there would be place for pigs to be roaming around, um, also places for tombs, and also places where the pigs would just run down the cliff right into the sea. Places where pigs jump off of. Yeah. And oh, so the, the geography so actually supports the story. And then after that, again, we we hear the same story again of... Jairus's daughter, and, which and, is also just like bonkers. Like I can't. I wonder what the time frame actually was. Like was this like all in the same week? Just imagine following <laughs> Jesus around, seeing this over and over. No wonder they kept diaries. Faith is such a significant part of this story of the woman who touches Jesus and mm-hmm, she is healed. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't even initiate conversation with her. She basically like sneaks up behind and him, and that would have been so. Bad. That would have been so yeah, would have bad been at the time. Pretty scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. Because she would have been unclean. Unclean. Yeah. And she reaches out to touch a man. Like, that's like a huge no no. And so Jesus actually tells her, like, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. So because she believed who Jesus was, she was able to be healed. Mm-hmm. Is that true in every instance, all the time? I don't know. It's definitely true here in this mm-hmm. story. It's also definitely true uh, in this story of Jairus's daughter. Like, Jesus, what Jesus does here is so offensive. 
He literally walks into a room of people who are grieving like, oh, you this dead little She's girl. Exactly. Imagine if somebody did that in a funeral home. That would be incredibly offensive. Well, it does say they laugh, so maybe they thought it was just like this guy. Well, they is just crazy. think he's crazy. Mm-hmm. But what is interesting about the story, um, and I've heard some pretty compelling arguments about this, Jesus excludes everyone who might doubt his power and his authority from the room. And it's and, just and in the room is only people that believe yeah. that he can do this and then he does it. And so there, there is a, another passage we just read a couple of days ago. I, would, I don't remember the reference, um, but it basically says because of people's unbelief, he was unable to do many miracles in their midst. Mm-hmm. And so belief is unquestionably part of what's going on here. I'm not saying crazy things. I'm not saying that God... That's such a slippery slope. It is, like... but it's a slippery slope either way. So because these people believe in the power of Jesus, they are able to be healed of significant diseases and even death. Um, so is, is that true all the time? I mean, a hundred percent, Jesus has power all the time. I do not know that it means that you should be healed every single time. I don't know that it means you will never be healed. I do know that it means our faith in Jesus is so important and we are not to doubt the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I think that is like a, a great, your part is that don't doubt what God can do. Continue to ask God to provide. Continue to trust that God will provide. I don't know if that means he will do it immediately, if he will do it eventually, or if he will do it ultimately when we're all restored to Jesus in his eternal kingdom. I'm not sure, um, but we do know in all these stories, their faith contributed to their wellness. Ultimately, I hope what you take away from today is that maybe Matthew is awesome. Maybe he stretches the truth a little bit. Um, and We always need to have faith and trust in Jesus because he does care for us and provide for us. And right before we get off here, we did want to just do one shout out. We had a listener uh, from here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, good friend of ours, Joe from Lancaster. Really excited that you're following along with us every day. It was great to hear from you, just some questions and things that you are also sifting through as you are listening along with us here in the New Testament. So if shout you, out to Joe. You have questions, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. You can even email me to tell me that the fact that I would even suggest that Matthew is not trustworthy is offensive. Oh, my word. Or you can tell me that maybe it was helpful. Uh, but reach out to us. We love to hear from you. So we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Matthew chapter eight, verses 14 to 34. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. 
And when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And behold, there rose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. And they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all that city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Mark chapter 4. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he had said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word so that it is sown in them. And these are the ones that sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfaithful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, As a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, or not a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. 
He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. And when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and pulls out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them the boat, just as he was. And at the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Chapter 5 They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened in the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again to the boat the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be made well again and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. 
and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who has touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.